Hello, and welcome to Launch Legends, the only podcast focused exclusively on the stories behind internet marketing's biggest and best launches. Each week, we sit down with an online marketing expert to tell the story of one of their launches, what went well, what didn't, and how much cash they made. And now, your host, Hamad Akbar. Hello and welcome to another episode of Launch Legends. Today we speak with Craig Hewitt of Castos. Castos is doing currently $500,000 in revenue with over 2,000 customers. Craig talks about how he acquired a WordPress plugin with thousands of podcasters signed up that gave him instant audience. He then worked closely with them to build the right product. Once they were ready to launch, guess what? They had thousands of users already waiting to use the product. So there's a ton of value in this interview. You don't want to miss it. But before we go ahead, if you're listening to this on a podcast, please rate and review. If you're watching this on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Hey, Craig, thank you for being on the show. So uh, founder of Castos, uh, you guys are doing about 500000 in revenue. I know you've got some more revenue on top of that, but you, know, you sell professional services. Uh, you only launched in 2017 and you've got over 2,000 customers. So very great. Uh, so let's start with actually who you are and uh, why did you build a product and how did you grow it? Yeah, yeah. So my name is Craig Hewitt. I'm the founder of Castos. We're a podcast hosting and analytics platform that also does uh, podcast editing and production. So that's kind of our professional services arm. Um, I got into Castos uh, kind of via the, the professional services. Uh, I owned a and still do a product I service business called Podcast Motor. That was kind of my first foray into online business and being a, a digital nomad. Um, built that up into you know really solid business that sustained kind of my family and I, and then had the opportunity to uh, acquire a WordPress plugin, which is really kind of how Castos started. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we also own and manage the seriously simple podcasting WordPress plugin that our our podcast hosting platform interfaces with. So a lot of people with a podcast have a website. A lot of them run on WordPress. We make it really easy for you to manage all of your podcast content uh, right from your WordPress site, uh, but then upload your files directly to the Castos platform all right from WordPress. Right. So um, you said you acquired the plugin. Um, I'm not going to ask you how much you paid for it, but did it have a lot of users? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, WordPress gives you kind of fuzzy statistics, but it had more than 10,000 active installs. Um, and like everything in WordPress.org, it was entirely free and still is entirely free. You can use Seriously Simple Podcasting entirely for free. And then we have the Castus platform as a, an optional add-on. So it's kind of our version of freemium. Oh, great. That's a great strategy. So you actually got something which had lots of very targeted customers, users, and you only had to mm-hmm. build Castos behind it. So talk to me about Castos. Um, how did you start building it? Yeah, I'm laughing because you say you only had to build it. I mean, I think that <laughs> yeah, we, okay, did get, yeah. we did get lucky. I mean, it was... It was it was it was luck and strategic to say, yeah, hey, we can we can acquire this plugin as a, a you know marketing and a customer uh, a customer acquisition channel um, was was lucky and strategic, um, but but I think building a really great product, especially in our market, which I think is is both um, like kind of B to C, so like B to prosumer, maybe you would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but but also uh, is really um, kind of sensitive in that like it's the way that people express themselves. So like 
uh, you're, you know, it's like maybe a website hosting provider or something like that. You, you want the experience people to have there to be really easy and simple and beautiful. And so I think building a, a tool like that is hard. Um, and our space is, uh, you know, probably just as competitive as anyone else's, but, um, but, but to build a really great product uh, is, is super hard, even if you have a marketing channel kind of already figured out. Um, yeah, building a great product is super tough. So I actually said it because uh, a lot of people I've spoken to, they really struggle with finding their target audience. So they go on LinkedIn and all sorts of different channels, you know, really you know, sending out cold emails, trying to get them on the phone, talking to them. So I, I said it from that perspective where you had the audience ready and you were able to talk to them probably very quickly. You didn't have to go mm-hmm. and try different things to get them on the call. So, of, of course, building a great product takes a long time. Even with the best feedback, you'll probably end up doing something which is not needed in the marketplace. So I agree with you. Um, it's not easy. I'll probably make it sound very easy, but it's, it's actually very difficult. Being a software entrepreneur myself, I know it's very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we did have a, a lot of access to to the folks that ended up becoming our, our first customers. Um, and I also came from the space, you know, so running a productized service in the podcasting space is how we got introduced to the to the guy that we bought the plugin from. Uh, I had a bunch of we had a bunch of customers there who had a presence, we're able to leverage a lot of that audience. You know, we talked about audience before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of that made the the marketing and the distribution easier for us to where at the beginning we just focused on product which which made it a lot easier um if you don't have to figure let's out let's talk about the product development um what does that look like from day one till the point where you probably launched your first beta version uh bad <laughs> i mean it's it's just i, I la- so i'm not a developer right i'm a non-technical founder and i'm a single founder so uh it was me figuring out how to work with a developer uh, and pay them and uh, and build a nice product that people care about and have it be easy to use without any experience doing any of that. And um, I mean, I laugh looking back at our initial product. It was really terrible compared to what we have now, which I think is really great. Um, but but that's how it should be. You know, they say like, if, you, if you're not embarrassed of your first version, you, you launched too late. Um, we, didn't, we didn't launch too late in that respect. But, <laughs> I mean, the way we did it is... Um, is I think a nice, a nice model for, for folks, if they're starting out like as a consultant or they own an agency or something like that is use that revenue to, you know, pay rent and support your family and stuff like that, but also to fund the development of your software product. And that's what we did. So we were able to hire a developer part-time and it took about five months to, to build the product, um, and to update the WordPress plugin to, to kind of support that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, then we, and then we launched, um, kind of to that existing audience of, of WordPress users and uh, very fortunately kind of had customers our first day, um, which I think is something that not a lot of people do. Um, we, we had a, a kind of major hiccup on the WordPress side with our launch day that, that kind of broke some people's sites and stuff. But mm-hmm. aside from that, um, the SaaS side of things, the launch actually went pretty smoothly. Yeah. So when you say launch, uh, did you follow any email sequence? Did you create some hype or you just uh, sent them an email and said, look, okay, we've launched this product? Yeah, I mean, 
we, yeah, I think we might have sent an email a couple of days before launch and then sent an email on launch day. Um, but, but we, we put some things into the WordPress kind of user experience to prompt people and say, Hey, you know, here's this hosting platform. You can opt in here and have your files hosted and manage all of your stuff from WordPress. Um, so a lot of the, the opt-in and the conversion and like awareness for the customers was kind of natively in WordPress. Um, right. you know, you, you have to be careful about that. I think to respect the real estate there and respect the way people use that tool since it is, you know, open source and free and, and people don't want to be bugged there. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we, I think we do and did a good job of, of respecting that, but at the same time, putting the value proposition in front of customers in a, in a, you know, authentic and genuine way. How did the product go from there? So you got like a bunch of customers in the beginning straight away and you got a bunch of users. How did you work with them after that? And how did you get it to a point where it's a great product now? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that the easy answer is we just listened to everything everybody said and and try to distill it down because I think that's I think that's really hard if you're hearing a bunch of different things. You know, I've I've you know had failed attempts at other products where everybody is saying something different, and you at the end of the day you just say like, what what is going on here? Like, how are we so far off that? This guy says they need an API. This guy says they need OAuth. This guy says they need a better UI. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's all over the place. You can't say this is the thing we need to do. I, I think maybe we had the volume of feedback um, from a bunch of free users of the plugin. Um, and, and you know, very fortunately, a decent number of paying users of the hosting platform to say, okay, a bunch of people are asking for this thing. Let's go tackle this. Mm-hmm. And it was like... Uh, you know, like whack-a-mole, right? So like you go to the arcade and you got this game where like the little mole pops up and you whack him on the head and then he comes over here and you whack him on the head over there. And that's, I mean, that's what we did for an embarrassingly long amount of time, like a year and a half of just like, what's the fire this week? Let's go put it out. Let's go fix this thing or create this feature or whatever. Um, but I mean, I think we're we're pretty agile in that way, even today that, that our, our product development cycles are not super long. But we stay really attuned to what, you know, what our customers are asking for. Our support team gives us a lot of really actionable feedback that that informs the product okay. uh, decisions and cycle. And and we we're not an old enough company, you know, we're not base camp to say like, hey, we're going to plan a year out and just go build this thing for a year. Um, I think any company that's less than I don't know five years old can't can't do that. They're just not mature enough uh, from a, a product and uh, and really understanding what the users want to, to plan more than a couple of months out. Um, so I don't know if that's your experience. but Yeah. You said, unfortunately, you had to do that for a year and a half. Uh, it sounds like you did the right thing. What would you have done differently? Yeah. No, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't have done anything differently. I think it's just stressful is the reason I say, unfortunately, because... I mean, literally every day is is a fire drill of like, wow, we had five users, you know, send us a message in the last day saying that this thing is broken or that we did this to their website or that, you know, whatever it is, um, that they can't believe we don't have this feature. And and so we have to aggregate that to kind of emotionally deal with it, you know, as like me as the the founder or the product person mm-hmm. uh, and the support agent at the time, um, and, and then filter that to to the development team and scope it out and then give them the tools they need to, to, to craft the solution that fixes That's really interesting because, uh, as I said to you, we launched a product last week and we are experiencing probably the same thing. 
uh, it's very emotionally draining when you, you you're getting tons of feedback complaints issues and people are just mm, kind yeah. of shouting at you over over, over, over chat and uh, it, it feels like it's never ending that's a, it's like mm-hmm. you fix one thing and 10 other things come up first week launched um, it was horrible and then it calmed down the week after and it's slowly stabilizing now how was the experience for you? You said year and a half. Was it a constant barrage of issues and complaints from customers and uh, things you fixed? I mean, it's tough. It's a little tough to to look back on now. You know, it's like at, when your first kid is born. You say, "Oh, it was great! Like, it's a magical experience." But the reality is, like, you didn't sleep and you got you know changing diapers and all this crazy stuff that you don't remember. I, I think that like. I don't remember the details of a lot of the bad stuff, but just generally, I very much remember the the cumulative stress over the first couple of years with with maybe just me saying like, this is not good enough. You know, like th- this is, I'm amazed that we have customers mm-hmm. and that, that they want to pay us money in, in some ways, you know? And I think that I'm really hard on myself from like a product perspective. I think most founders should be to, to always want to create something better. Um, How did you manage the customer's expectations in the beginning when uh, apparently, according to them, nothing was working? So how, how do you manage them, make sure that they don't churn and go somewhere else? That's another burden yeah. as a founder. Yeah. How did you yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the huge, that, that's the huge risk. I mean, you know, one, they, they go, they cancel and go somewhere else. Two, in the WordPress ecosystem, like a Shopify app or something, or, or a regular standalone SaaS app, you have things like G2 Crowd where people will go leave you negative reviews. And for us, that's our biggest kind of customer acquisition channel. So keeping everybody happy and, and managing expectations was, was really important. And I think we were just really honest to say like, you know, we're a young company. This is a new product. I totally hear you that this is important. It's important to us too. We're doing everything we can to make everyone happy, but it's not possible. Uh, and so sometimes the answer, the best answer is to be really honest with someone and say, I totally hear you that you want this thing, but it's just not going to happen. Like, because if we do this, then we're going to leave 10 or 100 people hanging over there. Mm-hmm. And that's not overall the best thing for for, for the ecosystem and for, for our platform, not just for me as the founder, but for everybody to say, like, we have to listen to what is kind of the representative biggest voice? And it's not always just a single person. Um, sometimes it is though. So where is the product now in terms of maturity? Uh, are, you, are you getting lots of people happy with that? Or you're still getting lots of features? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think we're we're very feature complete. Um, we, we, you know, it's it's never done, right? Because like we just hired a new developer, so we're ramping up our, our product development uh, velocity. But... Um, it is very feature complete for like the core. And I think um, you can probably relate that like the, for me, the life cycle of an app is like, get, get the basics down, you know, and it took us a while to do that really well, but we're definitely there now. And now it's things like integrations and expanding the platform to, to let folks do more with their podcast. Um, And so that means things like a Zapier integration. We just launched um, the ability for people to have private podcasts instead of them just be entirely public. Um, so things like companies having internal podcasts for their employees that only those people have access to. Um, those kind of things that are kind of beyond the core of what a podcast hosting and analytics platform does, but but offers enormous value to to people kind of on the edges and that are a little more progressive with what they're doing uh, from a podcast perspective. 
Great. So, um, Craig, I mean, you've got, you've done tremendously well. You've got 2,000 customers now. My question is, how did you manage to fix the product, add features to it, listen to the customers, at the same time have that kind of growth as well? How did that happen? I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. I mean, I, I think... Um, like we've, we've been big on content marketing from before we launched, you know, we had a blog, uh, talking about podcasting coming from the podcasting space from my, my previous company. I really understood what this should be. So I think we didn't, we didn't have to go figure that out. You know, like a lot of folks trying to figure out what a product should be and not being kind of from that space is really tough. You know, so like if you're going to go make a, a SaaS app for architects, and you're not an architect, you have this enormous like learning curve <laughs> to overcome. And I didn't have that. Like I am a representative customer of ours. Maybe not our best customer, but I am a representative customer of ours. So like what I want is give or take what, what we need to build. Mm-hmm. So so I had that and it's just a matter of building it um, mm-hmm. and, you know, getting the developer hours for that. Um, and then just a lot of, I think that the thing that we're, that we're just getting over now is like um, using support um, and support hours and resources um, to work around problems yeah. to, to actually fixing them within the app. So they don't ever happen. Um, but I mean, I think if you don't have the developer time to fix a problem, you as a support person uh, have to go fix those problems. And, and a lot of it was just like, Hey, we either can go create this feature or fix this bug. Yeah. Um, I am not a developer, so I can go manage these bugs and help people, you know, fix their podcasts or their sites um, while my developers go build features. And I think those features have done a lot for our growth. So whether that's right or wrong, I think just using a lot of Band-Aids in the first, you know, year or so to to, to kind of, like you said, plug those holes um, is, is how we manage some of that of like, I would rather developers focus more of their time than they maybe had to in, in other respects on, on building features and, you know, moving the platform forward. And my time uh, was spent on, you know, chatting with customers and helping them be successful. Great. So what would you say has been your biggest growth channel? Was it the plugin or your content marketing? Uh, the plugin. Right. Wow. That's a great strategy. That's a great strategy where you buy something which has your customer base already and then just work with them. And then you have a customer base which you can sell home to. That's great. So what's in the future yeah. for for casters? Are you going to keep doing what you're doing? Are you, there's some big plans there? Yeah, so I think that, that there's two really big things that we're working on now. I touched on one of them, which is like private podcasting. Um, and there's kind of a spectrum of this and you know, public podcasting like this where everybody can listen. Private podcasting, say like a company wants a podcast for their sales team, right? Or their HR team. Uh, and we're building integrations, like I mentioned, with Zapier and membership platforms. Uh, so I think the, the opportunities here are really interesting. So think about like, what if you integrated with your email service provider to say like everyone who signs up on this page or gets this tag or something gets automatically subscribed to a private podcast? Or you have a Shopify store and every customer that buys this thing gets a little private podcast about how to make the most or care for their uh, you know, fireplace set or whatever. Um, or a membership site, or folks that teach courses, uh, all want to deliver content in unique ways to their to their audience um, and a select part of their audience, especially. So it's a it's a place that we're seeing a lot of interest from our customers, saying like, 
a lot of different things. You know, hey, I do this thing, or hey, I'm a you know mental health provider. I want a podcast for every one of my my uh, my patients. Mm-hmm. That's you know that's great. We can totally do that. Um, so that's a place that we're looking at, and then monetizing that directly within the platform. So letting our customers say like, hey, it's not just private, but it's premium. So we call it. Um, I have a I have a private podcast. You can pay me five dollars a month or ten dollars a month to get this premium content that nobody else can get. Uh, so that's coming really soon for us. Um, and the other thing is expanding how, how kind of widely and well we integrate with WordPress. So integrate, integrating with page builders like Elementor, Mm -hmm. uh, and Beaver Builder, which are enormous tools in the WordPress space to let folks further kind of customize the, the look and feel and the environment uh, of the podcast on their WordPress site. Great. So one last question, um, imagine someone's listening to this and, uh, they're at the start of their journey where you were probably a couple of years ago. They haven't gone through the painful, you know, period where you have to really fix all the fires, you know, put out all the fires. What advice would you give them? They're just starting out. Uh, the, the, the thing that we didn't do that um, you were talking about before we started recording is I would have a longer beta period. Uh, it's something that I see some of my friends do that I never understood until I launched and it <laughs> you know, some things definitely didn't go right. Uh, but, but I think if you are, are a little more patient and intentional about like, Hey, we're going to launch this to five people and just manually onboard them. You don't even need to get payment or anything. Do that for a month and then go to 50 people and do that for a month. And if you have like a list and you should be able to do that, it's the thing we didn't do that in the long run, I don't think it would have changed a lot of where we are now, but it would have made those first few months much less stressful. Um, yeah, and, and that, that means a lot. Yeah, yeah. we like, like I said before before the before the recording that we launched a product with uh, one week beta, and we launched it to a much bigger audience. And then we are really struggling right now with uh, so many issues we didn't even think about. So I'm with you on that. Where do it slowly for a couple of months? Make sure the product is right. You have all the support in place. You have all the Little things like knowledge base in place, you know what kind of yeah. questions people are going to ask, you know, little kinks you can fix very quickly. Those are the things, if you don't fix them and they go live and the customer is paying you, he has no patience for it, they have no patience for it, they'll just bombard you with uh, lots of support requests or they'll just jam. So it's better to spend the extra time doing beta. But hey, you know what? You still got through yeah, and you absolutely. got to half a million dollars in revenue. So <laughs> it wasn't too bad in the end, right? Anyway, Craig, thank you very much. Very and, yeah, uh, very fortunate. Thank you for coming on the show, and uh, I hope to speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Awesome, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And that's it for this episode of Launch Legends. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and share more online marketing launch stories, please search for Launch Legends and your favorite podcast listening app, and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time.